I cannot lie. I'm feeling like, oh Lord, man, the Holy Spirit, I'm like slain right now. Okay, I'm gonna get it together. I'm gonna put myself on timer. Wow. Thank you for the praise. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for meeting us at our point of need. I put myself on a timer so I can remain disciplined. It is an honor to be here with you all on this Mother's Day. And I'm going to start with some breaking news. Many of you don't know me in this service because I typically attend the nine o'clock. But my breaking news is this, I am pregnant. And listen, y'all are clapping, but your girl's about to be 52, okay? I'm a tenure professor at Babson College. My husband is a tenure professor. Our youngest is about to go off to college. Yes, Pashka, mouth open. It is not hook'em horns. I'm pregnant again. Billy, I see those big eyes. All right, come. All right, now that I've gotten your attention, come on, y'all. I am not talking about a physical baby. <laughs> It would have to be the second coming of Christ or a miracle such as that. Okay, all right. But I am pregnant with purpose. I am in the process of birthing something new because while I am in a very comfortable phase of life, what everything else I said was true, I mean, everything is true. Our youngest is going off to college. I am at a very comfortable phase in life. We finally have money. Y'all know what I'm talking about? It's like you get married and it's like, good grief. How are we gonna pay, what are we gonna do? Now we're establishing our careers. We got that travel money where you don't have to travel on debt. We can buy real estate. But what is God doing? God is birthing new things in me. This is supposed to be the time to chill. God is like, I have a new idea for you, Tina. He is speaking to my heart about purpose. And if he's doing this to me, he gonna, I'm gonna make him do it to y'all too. Look, I want each of you to think about what is God's purpose for you? Why did he choose you to be on this earth for such a time as this? How many of you know what your purpose is in life? Raise your hand. Okay, how many of you, and don't be embarrassed, I'm a professor, so I just do this. How many of you have no idea or are curious and aren't quite sure? Raise your hand. Okay, good. Thank you for being honest. And my hope is that by the end of this conversation, all of us will leave having made some progress in understanding either what our purpose is or the steps that we need to take to understanding it. Is that all right with you all? Okay, so 
I can't lie, if you know me, I can be attitudinal. So when God first started, I started having these soul rumblings. I, had, I was like, great God, can I just have a season of rest? I had these soul rumblings. Where there used to be contentment, there's now unrest. God is speaking to my heart about my purpose. And he's birthing something. When we think about birth, we often think about the act or process of bearing or bringing forth offspring. Much like this slide here, where we see all these different kinds of pregnant animals. You know, there's, so there's typically an egg, there's a sperm, there's a womb. Okay, this is not gonna be a sex ed class. If you wanna learn about sex, you're gonna have to come to the women's ministry because we do talk about that. Let's talk about sex. Okay, wait a minute, this is not this class. Okay, so fast forward. It's not only mammals that give birth. You also have reptiles, amphibians, vertebrate, fish. Some animals like birds lay eggs. But with all these birds, the thing that they have in common is that birth begins on the inside, in secret. And after some time, hopefully, it brings forth a manifestation on the outside, a baby. But how many of us know that we can bring forth things besides children? We can and do birth things besides babies. And this is something that applies to all of us, whether or not we can physically birth children. Birth also means to give rise to, to originate. When we think of birth in this broader sense, as I mentioned at the beginning of this conversation, birthing can also mean to give birth to a purpose, a vision, a mission, a calling, a kingdom assignment. Something that was begun on the inside in secret, something that you might not have even known was planted in you, a seed with proper nourishment, that seed can then manifest and grow into something on the outside. And much like the seeds in this slide, see the way that, that in that first stage, you don't see the seed outside of the ground, but it's there. And as it goes through the many different phases, with proper nourishment, it sprouts. That seed in you was planted by God Almighty. He knew you before you were even in your mother's womb. Psalm 139, 13 through 16 tells us, for you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your books were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there were none of them. 
He knew everything about you. And he put you in your mother's womb with a specific purpose, a calling. Our lives can be dedicated to finding out and pursuing that God-given purpose for our lives. It can be. We have a choice to make. So what that means is you can live your entire life never knowing God's purpose for your life. Isn't that sad? You can come to this earth with a seed planted in you by God himself, and you can never know what that seed was all about. Let's not go to our graves never knowing. So you might be saying, Professor Tina, what in the world? How do I know what my purpose is? Okay, so I am a professor, so this is where you take out your notes or your phone and your pen and your pad, and you're gonna take a note on seven things. I'm for real. So like if I look out and you're just looking back at me and you're not taking notes, I may come down in the um, pew. Okay, so there's just seven things. Just take a couple of points, okay. All right, you may have a photographic memory, so I'm gonna I'm let you slide. So, seven things that you need to think about to understand your purpose. The first thing is your uniqueness. What are the things about you that differentiate you from the people around you? Are you shy and others are bold? Are you bold and others are shy? Are you quiet and others are loud? Are you loud and others are quiet? What are the things that make you unique? What are the things that you love to do, to be, to feel? What are the things that you strongly dislike? My children introduced me to this game, would you rather, I mean, it's pretty morbid, would you rather die getting eaten by a shark or dying in a pool of alcohol. I was like, what? But you can learn a lot about yourself when you have to choose between things that you really don't like. For me, I want the quick death. I do not want the slow, painful death. Just get it over with. I don't care how grotesque it is, just get it over with. Okay, your risks, number four. What are the things that you will stand up for and take a risk for? There might be some things that you witness or experience and you're like, I'm just gonna be quiet, deal with it. There are other things that if you experience or see or witness, you're immediately up. I cannot stand for that. Those are risks. Number five, what are your investments? What are the things that you spend time doing when no one is watching? And you might say, girl, I just binge watch Netflix. Okay, well then maybe you're a movie connoisseur. All right. What are the things that you do for free? Those are your investments. Six and seven are a little bit different. I want you to think about your community. That's your friends, your family, your church community. Ask those people in your community, the people who know you, about one through five. We live in a society where we move so fast, we might not even know what we like and dislike, what, how we feel. There was a time in my life, believe it or not, I didn't know what my emotions were. I was so detached from myself because I had been raised 
you're not really angry about that. You're not upset about that. That's okay. It's okay. You, you're not upset. You, you didn't hurt yourself. I'm like, I'm bleeding on the ground. I think I hurt myself. No, no, no. You're okay. You're okay. So it took a while for me to get reconnected. Uh, your community is also your therapist. I know we're in the church and some people speak against therapy, but I go to a Christian therapist. Therapist changed my life. So ask the people who know you, the people who've seen you in service, the people with whom you're in community. And by the way, that assumes that you're in service. It assumes that you're in community. We are not meant to be isolated people. We are created as social beings. So if you find yourself consistently and constantly by yourself, more than likely, you are not tapped into your kingdom purpose. All right? The seventh point is prayer. You could go through points one through six and be dead wrong because God's face, God's word has the final say. Reflect and seek God's face and confirmation in his word. Realize that your purpose can shift and change as you do. I'm standing here before you telling you, look, I have an undergrad, an MBA, and a PhD. I don't tell you that to brag. My parents are like, girl, what are you doing? You thinking about walking away from tenure to become an entrepreneur? You got a stable job. Tenure means I have a job for life. Well, unless I sort of break, I mean, some people broke the law and still got a job. But for the most part, for the most part, they're like, what are you doing? It's a soul rumbling. God is birthing something new. I have taught professional and career development classes on purpose. We're calling it kingdom assignment here, but in the secular world, they talk about purpose. I've called it the four P's. You know, we talk about purpose, passion, profit, and proficiency. So what you're called to do, what you love to do, what you can get paid to do, and what you're good at are the four P's, respectively. In Japanese culture, it's called ikigai. And I bring those two differing points up to, to let you know, in the world, in the secular place, they talk about these many different things, but the origins of it's in the word. It's in the word. God talks about the fact that who you are and what you're called to do, he originated it. They just call it different things. And as you reflect on your life, you may notice that there are certain gifts, attributes, experiences, seeds, if you will, that form themes or threads in your life. And these themes, these seeds, can help you understand your kingdom assignment. So let's go back to my pregnancy, my birthing. But to fully explain, I want to go back to my seed some 50 or so years ago. So here I am as a baby with my daddy-o. That's a slide of me with my baby Tina and then me as a preteen. And somebody said, that is Kennedy's face. I have a 20-year-old son who will be 21. They're like, that's, that's your son's face. And a few things you should know about me. I got into a lot of trouble. Back in the day, we, we got spanked. So I got a lot of spankings. Pretty much I had a spanking every day. Um, and it didn't phase me. I was mouthy, sometimes even rude. I talked a lot. I spoke up when I was supposed to be quiet. 
I was not afraid to speak up. If a grown-up was trying to pick me up and their breath stank, I said, your breath stinks, put me down. I got in trouble a lot. I did it anyway. The spankings, like I said, did not deter me. If I thought it was the truth, I said what I thought. It did not matter if who, it was, who I was speaking to. My facial expressions could be read like a book. I was quick to suck my teeth, roll my eyes, give someone the look. I was fully transparent and authentic. I was curious. I burned my bangs off trying to figure out how the stove worked. I was friendly and bridged people from different groups. I stuck up for little kids and I would get into fights with older kids. I could box, actually. <laughs> Took people bigger than me down. I'd step in despite the danger. All of those were seeds. Seeds that either could be enforced with negative words or refined with positive words. Fortunately, despite the negative words that were spoken about me, my parents, who were not believers, by the way, so we're quick to dismiss people who are not in the household of faith, but we need to recognize our parents have authority over us. Okay? They spoke words of affirmation over me. They told me things like, girl, you do talk too much, but you're smart. You are important, and you say important things. Keep it up, study, help people. Know that you belong in any room that you find yourself in. Tina, you're beautiful. Tina, you're hardworking. Tina, you are somebody. Tina, you will be running things one day. Words matter. What you say matters. What you say to yourself matters. When you look in the mirror, what do you say to, what did you say to yourself when you were getting ready for church this morning? Did you say you're beautiful? Did you say you're smart? Or did you say you are so ugly, you're fat, you're disgusting, no one's ever gonna love you? What did you, what's the internal dialogue that you have? What's the cassette tape that you play? Whose voice do you hear in your innermost parts? Is it the enemy? Or is it the word of God? Words matter. What you say to other people matters. What you allow other people to say to you matters. What you listen to, the music, the, the movies, and listen, I, I, I have to be careful because I love to dance. If y'all saw me doing praise and worship, I have to catch myself, I'm like, all right, okay, wait a minute, okay, keep it, keep it, okay. I love it, but you got it, you know. Words have creative and destructive power. Scripture tells us in Proverbs 18, 21, the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. John 6, 63 says, the spirit gives life, the flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the spirit and life. Are the words that you speak to people full of spirit and life, are they full of death and destruction. And James 3, 3 through 10, just write the scripture down, I won't read the whole thing. What it basically says is, the tongue is a mighty instrument. It's really small, but it can control your whole body. It can set your body on fire. If your life is on fire, maybe it's because your tongue is. Maybe your tongue is destructing your life. Think about what you say. 
Remember that we're made in the image and likeness of God, Genesis 1, 26 through 28. He created everything with his words. And that's, you can read about that in Genesis 1 and John 1. Thank goodness my parents spoke words of affirmation over me. Even though they weren't in the body of Christ at the time. Those positive words watered the seeds that God had planted in my heart. Those seeds took root and sprouted. And the word tells us that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks in Matthew 12, 34. Think of those seeds as being planted in your heart and the words that you read and that are spoken over you and that you say to yourself as giving life to those seeds. Today, as I stand before you, I hope that you can see a mature woman who was living God's purpose for her life. But here's the kicker. As Bishop Green preached last week, God wants more. God doesn't want us to become believers just for ourselves, to pursue our mission, our purpose, our kingdom assignment just for ourselves, to keep wrestling with the same old issues, hang-ups over and over again, to continue to be immature, drinking spiritual milk, never getting to the meat. He wants us to become mature. He wants our seeds to sprout and to grow into strong, mature trees and bear recognizable fruit, fruit that others can see is good. Scripture tells us in Matthew 7, 15 through 20, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. What fruit do you bear? Is it good or bad? Is it good or bad fruit? What do your coworkers say? If I ask, if we did a survey of your coworkers or your classmates or your neighbors or your spouse or your children, what would they say? Is it good fruit or is it bad fruit? That's not a rhetorical question. What do y'all think? Do you curse people out at work? Are you late for work? Do you pay your bills on time? Do you buy things you can't afford and then get mad at the people when they call you to pay for it? I mean, okay. I want to be like this orange tree. I don't want to, did that cut? Okay, wait a minute, okay. Am I getting too close to home? Okay. I don't want to stay captive to how I, and I, I don't mean this in judgment, because some of the things, the examples I'm giving are because of things that I have dealt with myself. So listen, it's like, hey, I don't want to stay captive to how I was when I was young. First Corinthians 13, 11, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put, or a woman, I, became, I put away childish things. When I was younger, I had a really sharp tongue. Before I knew Christ, I liked to put people in check. I enjoyed verbally eviscerating people. It was a hobby. Who does that? That's pathetic and pitiful. It's embarrassing. 
at one time, I don't curse. I do not curse. Except for this one time, I was being nice to somebody in the Trader Joe's parking lot. And it's a lot of traffic. And I had been waiting in traffic. And I let this gentleman go. And for some reason, he gave me the middle finger. Well, I said, and I said the word in my car, F you! I mean, my whole butt clenched up and everything. I was furious. I went, I'm a sailor's daughter, and this is knowing Christ. This is in Massachusetts when I was a member at Pentecostal Tabernacle. Okay? So like I said, I tell these examples because this is, I mean, my tongue, this thing right here, this is my, this is a stumbling block. And I went home and I confessed there's my husband right there. I told him the story and my children. And I said, please don't let that man come to PT and see me up here. God forbid. Man, are you in this summer right now? <laughs> so, but the bottom line is if, if, if I'm angry, if I'm hungry or hangry, my tongue is still the area that can challenge me. What is the area that challenges you? What is the sin that doth so easily beset you? And it's important that you submit that thing to the Holy Spirit because it will trip you up. It, I mean, so the Holy Spirit, that still quiet voice inside of me, took that mouthiness, that curiosity, that transparency, authenticity, bridge building, that willingness to stick up for the underdog and transformed it into purpose, where I'm now an advocate, a professional speaker, a consultant, an entrepreneur who helps organizations and people. So that now, despite being at what should be a chill moment in my life, I'm with a fine husband, about to be empty nesters. We could be doing all kinds of stuff at home. We got money. God is birthing a new thing in me. And the thing that he's birthing, some of you, I am now the new head of PT's women ministry, women's ministry. And I'm really excited about that. And I believe that God is calling me as the head of the ministry to help women become familiar with and faithful to their purpose in life. And last Sunday, Bishop preached about how we're not going to be held accountable for the fruit of our purpose, but how faithful we are to, to that purpose. And the question that immediately popped into my head was, well, how can women be faithful over their purpose if they don't know what it is. And so I wondered, how can I help the women of PT become familiar with their kingdom assignments so that they can be faithful over their assignments? And that, that is the key motivation that I have for leading the women's ministry. So any women out there feel led to help me volunteer to do that? Hallelujah, we got some hands raised. All right, see me after service, okay. Because it's going to take all of us. It is going to take all of us. Thank you. So another part of us is to motivate us to work together. Because oftentimes, 5 or 10 or 15% of us are doing 150% of the work. Once we activate and know our purpose, many, many more of us know our purposes, it's going to make lighter work in the body. It just, it just does. So... I really want us to think about how when we know our purpose and we get actively engaged, we can fundamentally shift the culture of the church 
improve the kingdom by getting involved and pursuing God's purpose for our lives. That's what the word says. Okay? So, Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Romans 8, 28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. Proverbs 16, 9. The heart of man plans its way, but the Lord establishes his steps. I leave you with this. Why do you think that God chose you to be on this earth for such a time as this? Why are you in this sermon on this Mother's Day? You could have been anywhere else. Why are you here hearing a sermon about understanding what your purpose is? Maybe God is trying to speak to you to dig into that. Don't you want to know your purpose? Your kingdom assignment, your mission? How long will you stay in your womb of comfort and security? When will you allow God to birth you and birth in you a new thing so that you can use your gifts and abilities to fulfill your full potential and bless those around you? 1 Peter 4.10 says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as God's stewards of, of, of good, as good stewards of God's very grace. Our gifts are given to each other to serve, each, are given to us to serve each other. We grow fruit so that others can eat from it. The thing is, orange trees don't grow by themselves. They grow in groves, in community. PT is our community. Your church is your community. The body of Christ is our church community. We have a lot of birthing to do. Here's to much more pregnancy. Thank you. Well, praise the Lord. Amen. Can we give God another? Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, God says, I know the plans that I have for you. These plans are good, and they will give you a hope for the future. We're the only species or the only thing on earth that thinks that it can tell its creator what its purpose is. I remember when we were younger, I was a teenager, and a friend of mine drove his brother's brand new car on the highway, and back in those days, you were supposed to break in a car. And instead, he had his oldest brother's car. 
So he was driving 70, 80, 90 miles an hour on the mass turnpike. And needless to say, the engine went kaput and the car had to be towed. Brand new car because he didn't pay attention to the instructions by the manufacturer of that car. And the word manufacturer, etymology of the word manufacturer, facio means to make, and manus means hand. The, the company that made the car knew how the car was supposed to operate in order to get the maximum value of that, out of that automobile. And each and every one of us, we have a manufacturer whose name is Jehovah God. And while you were in your mother's womb, Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 6, the Lord says, I already knew who you were. Another exciting verse is Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 to 10, which God says, I created you to do good works, and I already had those good works chosen out for you to do before you were even born. So with all her mouthiness, God already knew that Tina would be a professor at Babson College. With all her mouthiness, the Lord knew that Tina would meet her husband, Fred, outside of in another state before they moved here. It's like God already knows where you're going to work, where, who you will marry or not marry. He, he has your life planned out. And what he wants you to do is simply join him in the plan that he has for you. Why struggle trying to make your own plan when the person who created you already had a plan for you? As heads are bowed and eyes are closed, maybe you're here and you never giving your life to Jesus. Just like God will not force his plan on your life, neither will he force the solution for you finding that plan on your life. And that solution is found in a person, and his name is Jesus Christ. So if you're here this morning, and you're saying, Bishop Brian, could you pray for me? I want to give my life to Jesus. We're not talking about joining this church. We're talking about you simply giving your life to Jesus so that he can make your life fruitful, make your life satisfied, make you're able to make you to have the ability to say like Paul after he was at the end of his life, I fought a good fight. I finished the course that God set for my life and I kept faithful to it. So if you're here this afternoon and you're saying, Bishop, could you pray for me? 
you would slip up your hand, I will pray for you. You don't have to come up here, but you want to give your life to Jesus. And if that's you, could you slip up your hand and I'll make sure that we include you in this final prayer. Just want to make sure we don't miss anybody because the Spirit of the Lord is calling you to himself. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the name of the Lord. Amen. I want to make sure we don't miss anybody. Amen. Can we all stand then? Can we all stand? First of all, I want to say happy Mother's Day to all the mothers. Congratulate yourselves. If, you, if there's a mother or somebody that looks like a mother around you, just turn around and say happy Mother's Day. Good to you deserve. And you may not be a natural mother. You may be an auntie, a godmother, a mother to somebody who's motherless. You are to be commended. Well, we want to bless you before you leave, and we have a reception for you downstairs. You don't have to be a mother, <laughs> uh, but we want to invite you downstairs just for a few moments of reception just so you can congratulate personally those who are to be commended and be blessed with a wonderful Mother's Day. So as we close, those of you who are first-time guests, we don't close with a closing prayer. We close with a closing blessing. And if you could put your hands out like this as if you're ready to receive a gift, because you are receiving a gift from God, it's called a blessing. And that blessing comes from uh, Numbers chapter 6, verse 24 to 26. And the reason why we have you put your hands out with your palms up, because James chapter 1, verse 17 says, every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights. And so may the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord look after you, shield you, defend you, and take care of you. May the Lord make his face shine, grin, beam, and show his pleasure on you. May the Lord be gracious, kind-hearted, and compassionate to you. May the Lord show you his favor that will promote you, appreciate you, support you, side with you as you side with him. And finally, may the Lord give you his shalom, his peace, his rest, his harmony, his calmness, his composure, his prosperity, and his success. And may the Lord remove anything that causes agitation or discord with his divine purpose, destiny, assignment, and will for your life. I bless you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And everybody say, I receive that blessing. God bless you. Happy Mother's Day. Have a great day. And see you downstairs in the lower sanctuary.